This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Young at the Sunny United Methodist Church, July 2nd, 2023. The message is Heroes of the Faith, Deborah, based on Judges 5, 1 to 9. It's good to be with you this morning. Would you join me as I pray? Oh God, your words are the lamp to our feet. Fill our hearts with the wonderful words of life that will guide us through this challenging life journey. We ask your Holy Spirit to come open our hearts and minds to the words of Scripture. And may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we begin, um, I'd like us to do a quick exercise. Take a moment to think of a biblical figure you consider a hero. Okay? For whatever reason, Someone in the Bible you consider a hero, except for Jesus, since Jesus is uh, here for every Christian. So, someone except for Jesus. And I invite you to jot down the name of that biblical hero in your sermon notes. Everybody got this bulletin? Have a sermon notes inside. Here, I invite you to jot down, write down that biblical hero that you have in mind. Write down the name and also one important quality you want to embody or strive for as Christian. Let's take a moment to reflect and write it down. got a chance to write it down? So who's the uh, biblical figure you wrote about? Anyone? John? David. Anybody wrote David? Anybody else? Well, we see other David. Moses. Yes, we're going to go watch the show, Moses. That's a very timely answer. Anybody else wrote, uh, uh, wrote Moses too? Yes, with four or five more people. Who else? Jacob. Jacob. Anybody else wrote Jacob? Okay. Noah. Noah. That's a good one. 
Anybody wrote Noah? Okay, we have three more. So, how many of you wrote down a male biblical hero? Raise your hand. Yes, Esther, yes. Is that the one you wrote, though? No? Okay. How many of you have had a female biblical hero in mind? One, two, three, four, five. Don't change your answer, okay? <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, nine. Audrey, ten. Who wrote? Who? Abigail. Abigail, okay. Yes. Well, considering that women have made up about half of the world's population, it's surprising that we have so few female biblical heroes in the Bible. And you may think the role of women seem to be overlooked or even underrepresented in the scripture. Why is it the case? It's a valid question to explore from biblical theological perspective, but it's not the focus of today's message. The truth is that scripture tells us about women who played important often uh, central roles in promoting God's work of salvation. God called women from various backgrounds, including uh, different ages, professions, and social statuses. God empowered them to serve as agents of mercy, peace, justice, and salvation, liberation, Unfortunately, as Christians, we sometimes fail to give them the attention they deserve. So in our new sermon series entitled, The Heroes of the Faith, we will reflect on the lives of four remarkable women of faith. Today we're going to delve into the story of Deborah, a prophet and judge of the Israelites, based on the book of Judges, chapter 4 and 5 in the Old Testament. By the way, it's worth noting the interesting timing of our reading of Judges, the book of Judges, as it coincides with the widespread media coverage surrounding some of the biggest decisions made by the nine Supreme Court judges known as justices. It happened this past week. I'm sure you've all watched the news. Whether you agree or disagree with their decisions, we recognize that the choices made by these justices will have significant far-reaching implications for shaping the legal social fabric of this nation. As our bishop stated in his email yesterday, when society fails to acknowledge something of great importance, it becomes the responsibility of the church to step forward. And this is particularly crucial in the ongoing work of advocating for equal opportunities to advance and thrive. You know, the judges in Israel were, the, were also the leaders who shaped the legal social discourses of Israel. They did it by resolving uh, disputes among people and addressing complex issues in the community. 
And it was during Moses' leadership they were first appointed in every Israelite town to settle civil disputes. According to Deuteronomy, there were several judges at the tabernacle who served jointly as Israel's supreme court, along with a chief justice who would help settle cases too difficult for those local judges to handle. But as we will see later, the judges mentioned in the book of Judges were quite different from today's judges. To better understand the period of Judges, which was a time between the death of Joshua and the first king of Israel, Saul. It will help to explain a little bit about the history. So when Joshua died, God didn't appoint a person to succeed him as a political, military leader of the entire nation of Israel. Instead, in each of the uh, 12 tribes, can, uh, can, as you can see from this map, proceeded to conquer and uh, occupy its assigned territories. As the need arose, God raised up several different leaders called judges. They were sent to various parts of Israel at various times to lead segments of the Israelites against local enemies. They were surrounded by all those enemies from all of the place. So God sent these judges to save them, to deliver them from their turmoil, from their trouble. So they were like the uh, combination of a judge and civil leader, and prophet, in some cases, a general, military general. They went beyond the traditional role of judges in the legal sphere. These heroic judges were specifically chosen by God to deliver the Israelites again when they cry out for help. God bestowed upon them unique qualities and gifts essential for leading the people of Israel. Interestingly, among all the judges mentioned in the book of uh, Judges, Deborah stood out as the only female judge. She was not only a judge, but also a prophet known as Navi in Hebrew, which means spokesperson, God's spokesperson. In fact, she was one of the three women prophets in Hebrew Bible. At the time Deborah was leading Israel as a judge, as a civil leader, the people of Israelites went up to her in the hill of the northern region to settle their legal disputes because she was a woman of wisdom and discernment. One day, Deborah sent orders to Barak, military leader of Israelites, assemble 10,000 soldiers to Mount Tabor to fight the Canaanites. You know, the Canaanites had been oppressing the Israel for many years. And the Israelite troops gathered to fight against them. You know, they gathered and destroyed the whole Canaanites' army that advanced from 
mound table, as you can see from the map. To get gathering uh, around the area of Mount Tabor. And Deborah came to the battlefield with Barak, the military leader, where she chants her song, which is today's scripture reading, Judges 5. You know, sometimes songs are the best way to communicate a story. When Americans attend a sporting event, gather for of national holidays, they scan together and what do we do? Sing a song. Sing a story. Oh say can you see by the dawn's early light. They sing Francis Scott Key's account of the war of 1812. It's war history though. And the Star Spangled Banner reminds Americans of who they are and, and their story as a nation. Like a national anthem, the Song of Deborah in today's scripture reading, Judges chapter 5, is a song that tells a story. It's a song of victory that helped Israel not only see God's role in their history, but also to understand who Deborah was as their leader, especially in God's work of salvation. As the story reveals, there are many great qualities embodied by Deborah, this remarkable woman of faith, her courage, her wisdom, clear vision, resilience. But more than anything else, Deborah was a person who faced what seems to be the impossible odds. She was one who faced what seemed to be the impossible odds. You know, it was truly an unprecedented thing in the history of Israel that women would lead the Israelites, make a major decision on the battlefield. You know, this is still controversial in many cultures. You know, the military wouldn't assign women as a combat soldier. In some denominations, women are not allowed to serve as an ordained pastor. Some nations, including the U.S., have never had a woman president. Deborah is a woman from thousand years ago in the ancient Israel. How could she do it? How could she do it? Because she deeply trusted in God who called his servants regardless of gender and equipped them for his mission. Deborah was a leader who discerned God's direction to do her part as a woman judge in the ancient Israel that was highly patriarchal. Despite all the restraint, she faced what seemed to be the impossible odds. She did very best as a leader, and fully trusted that God will do the rest. Especially as a leader, she was committed to discern God's timing. She was attentive to where God was and where God was leading them, and the Israelites. When the days of war had arrived, the army of, the, of God was assembled on the top of Mount Tabor, and they could see the 900 chariots coming. You may think that the battle didn't 
seemed too hard because the Israelite had 10,000 soldiers, while Sisera had only 900 chariots. But this was before the days of, you know, air war and bombs, military weapons. No one had ever seen an army of 900 chariots. Barak and his men would not be able to overpower the Canaanites, the military power that they brought. They knew they were outmanned when it came to weapons. And that's exactly when Deborah's leadership came in and played a decisive role. In Judges 4.14, Deborah says to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Has the Lord, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? You know, here her main focus as a leader, as a woman of faith, is not how many chariots the enemy had, but where God was in the midst of that. And where God was leading them. This is how she faced what seemed to be the impossible odds on the battlefield. And her role was simply to remind them that if they do their part, God will do the rest. She did her best as a leader and trusted that God would do the rest. And sometimes we approach our faith life by pursuing our own desires without making an effort to discern God's will and purpose. However, when things go wrong, we turn to God and plead, God, I did my best, but, but I'm stuck. Please come, do the rest for me. Unfortunately, we often treat God as a rest resort only seeking Him when all else fails. Prayer becomes a backup plan rather than guiding force. It's not a steering wheel, but spare tire. Remember the wording from the constant contact? Interestingly, this cycle mirrors the pattern we see in the lives of the Israelites. The book of Judges. Sometimes we find ourselves not giving our best as servants of Christ and expecting God to do the rest. We rely on God to fulfill the responsibilities that are meant for us. At times we do things without recognizing God's part in them at all. It becomes solely about our efforts with no spiritual impact regardless of the outcome. This also applies to our involvement in ministry. You know, there are specific parts that God calls us to do in this church and beyond. There are parts that God calls others to do with us. And certain situations require God's part. God alone to intervene in ways only He can. And to figure this out, comes with a process of discernment. Discernment is necessary to understand and navigate these dynamics. Deborah was the person who discerned the essence of this divine partnership with clarity. 
She was a woman of faith who understood that getting ahead of God is not really getting ahead. Facing what appeared to be the impossible odds, the Deborah, with discernment and courage, did her part as a leader. She dedicated herself to serving God, giving her best, and placing full trust in God to take care of the rest. And this is the theme that she celebrates in her song of victory in Judges 5. John Bonnard, the 17th century composer from Boston, wrote a hymn inspired by the song of Deborah. You know, most hymns in the book of uh, hymnal, United Methodist hymnal, come with four or five verses, occasionally extending to six or, six or seven verses. But guess what? This hymn has 31 verses. 31 verses. And we're going to sing the entire hymn together as we close this message. <laughs> no, just, just kidding. But think about it. How could he write a 31 verses for a song? It's not even his story. It's from the scripture. But what about you, friends? God's story has always been designed to connect with your own unique story. If you were to write a song based on your life, what theme would that song celebrate the most? Take a moment to jot down these reflections in your sermon notes. What are the themes that resonate with you, resound in your heart? Allow them to linger in your thought throughout this week. I'm not asking you to write a song. But write those themes that resound in your heart. Whether you have been a lifetime Christian or have recently embraced faith in Christ... God is calling each of you to discover your gifts. Use them for His ongoing work of salvation in this world. Our um, COP team just came back from their week of service. Uh, Dick, Bruce, and I were there to visit them with popsicles. I was so proud of seeing them working dedicating themselves to the work of God in our neighborhood. They were there representing the presence of God, the love of God in our world. Friends, God is calling those willing volunteers, as we read from uh, Judges 5, God is calling for the willing volunteers to do God's ongoing work of salvation in this world. Are you doing your part? trusting that God will do the rest? If so, pause for a moment and recognize the victories of God unfolding in your life today. Let your heart resound with praise and sing to the Lord. As Deborah sang, let us praise the Lord, the God of Israel, the God of Sukkasana UMC, the God of each one of you. Lift your voices in song. Amen.